Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on spiritual warfare. I, I would encourage you to take notes because what I'm going to talk about today, um, you've dealt with it at some level. Uh, you've dealt with it, whether it's personally, whether it's dealing with a family member, whether it's dealing with a coworker or a friend or whatever. This conversation today you've dealt with it at some level, and we're going to continue to deal with it in our culture uh, because of the opioid and just alcohol uh, epidemic that we deal with here. It's, it's brutal in our culture today. So this is part of our spiritual warfare series, and I want to talk about overcoming chemical dependence, okay? Overcoming chemical dependence, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says this, there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death, which means, or to say it another way, there's a way that seems right to you, and it's the only thing you want. Nothing matters more than this, whatever your this is, but it ultimately leads to destruction. So you use, you sedate, you medicate, you mask to validate. It's a temporary fix, but it brings ultimate destruction. And that's where we find ourselves living today. And as I said, uh, it applies to you. It applies to me because I end up having to counsel with a ton of different people, whether it's them individually or something connected with their family where addiction has overtaken them. The word addiction comes from the Latin word addictus. This was interesting in study, Amy. The word addictus means to surrender to the gods. And that's ultimately what ends up happening. The small g gods, you end up surrendering. And, and a lot of people will use cute cliches and words to try to minimize. They'll go, well, it's just a habit. No, your habit has become your worship, and it has now become idolatry. And if it is not dealt with thoroughly and completely, it will destroy you. Addictions come wrapped in all different packages. A lot of times when we hear the word addiction, we think more in the terms of chemical dependence or chemical addiction when it comes to alcohol, drugs, pills, or whatever. But reality, when you start to look at it, people can be addicted to food and they can become addicted to gambling and shopping and work and porn and social media and the internet and the need for attention or pain meds or you, you, it is so easy to become like incredibly obsessed to and addicted to whatever it is. We live in a hedonistic culture and the word hedonism really implies that we are all about the pursuit of pleasure and we need to be careful. Uh, sometimes whatever the thing is, is not even the ultimate issue, but it's your obsession and addiction to the thing. And I think that's where a lot of people get because food can be 
uh, neutral, if you will. Work can be a neutral thing. It's your obsession and addiction to it. For some people, they can have an occasional glass of wine. For some, they need to avoid alcohol altogether. But it's your view of it and your obsession with it that can absolutely shipwreck you. Because reality is, each and every one of us have been placed on this planet to know God, to worship God, to enjoy God and glorify God. But for so many, we've, we've allowed something else to take his place in our lives. And that's where so many are living today. One girl described her addiction to drugs and alcohol this way. She said, it was the best thing until it became the worst thing. It, it was the best thing for a window of time, but it became the worst thing. A chemical stronghold, if you will, is being dependent on chemicals to address, to cope with, to uh, escape, to try to find relief from the struggles and stresses that really are occupying our, our deeper hearts and souls. Do you get that? When people run to chemical dependency, they're trying to escape. They're trying to address a deeper problem, but they're using something else that will mask it and kind of sedate it and cover it up. That's where people get. And it's all about surrendering to a small G God instead of the big G God, the God that created us, is going to something else. And the thing that breaks my heart, and you've got to hear me loud and clear, is that so many people that even come in to this room are hiding their addictions. They're hiding, they're covering They've got shame, they've got guilt, they've got turmoil, and as a culture, we've learned to pose and we've learned to, to mask things to try to present this external front, but deep down inside, our soul is rotting away. Here's something interesting. You think about uh, what a big problem addiction is to our nation today. Addiction is a major cost to society. I was reading stats on this. According to the CDC, excessive alcohol consumption costs the United States approximately $200 billion a year. Did you hear that number? $200 billion a year with the ruins and the effects. There are over 100,000 deaths a year because of alcohol abuse. The annual drug cost and drug abuse for this nation, how, how much stress and strain, it's over $100 billion a year. Here's one of those secret areas, and I will get to this on the week of May 16th as I deal with overcoming sexual strongholds, but do you realize that Americans spend more money on porn than the annual sales of Coca-Cola? That's a lot of money. So there is a strain and there is a stress, and it costs our nation, but it will cost our families. Addiction costs families, and there, again, is not a family in the nation that has not been impacted at some level through uh, some type of addiction. A 
a family, a healthy family is a system, and when it's functioning right, it's a beautiful thing to observe because you have a safe place to kind of come home to and, and you can relax and family members support one another and encourage one another and applaud and help and, and try to motivate one another. But addiction throws a wrench in the whole system. Addiction will throw a wrench in the whole system. And what ends up happening is the home is no longer a safe place. And I've seen this repeatedly, that children have to pick up after their parents. And parents have to bury their children. And what used to be like the safe, healthy, beautiful environment has become absolutely chaotic. And what, what happens is not only with the person struggling through addiction, but for all other family members, we all start living with some type of deception and denial. And we develop some of the most unhealthy coping skills just to try to survive. It, it absolutely destroys families. And there's so many that are in the chains today of chemical addiction, and it's absolutely bringing about hell. Can I tell you, you do the study and research, the children are the ones that will suffer the most. In a household of addiction where you've got both parents involved in whatever, the children, they suffer. They don't understand why mom and dad are doing what they're doing. They, they don't understand why, why the, the parents continue to damage themselves and destroy the family. Kids don't understand. And the reality is some of you grew up in this dysfunction where the family you were brought up in was full-blown addicts. And you saw things and witnessed things and had to process and deal with things as a little child that you should have never had to see. But yet the reality is there's people today that are putting their kids through things they, they should never have to deal with. Children that grow up in households of addiction experience greater levels of anger and abuse themselves. That's a reality. Babies are being born today. And they're coming into the world already dependent on drugs and alcohol. Babies are being born handicapped physically and mentally because of the ruins of addiction. And I can tell you this. The majority of marriages that struggle with addiction explode, blow up, disintegrate, do not make it. If God loves us as individuals, and if God is so pro-family, I'm convinced that he's going to come at an individual, try to deceive them, try to get them blinded, get them using and abusing whatever, and if he can bring destruction in that home where it's like, how do we cope with this? What are the boundaries that we put up? How do we deal with this situation? It affects so many. It will cost you as an individual. Proverbs 23 says, listen, listen, please listen, my dear child. Become wise. Point your life in the right direction. Do not hang out with drunkards. 
Or do not hang out with those that just feast and are gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty. And one of the things that we've coached our people with and taught our people over the years is, please, please, please watch your playmates, the people you associate with, watch your playgrounds, watch what arenas you go into, and please watch your play toys. Watch what you allow to come into your life. Because here's what we know, and we have, a, I think, a very strong Christ-centered recovery program here. But here's what we know. A person that is in full-blown addiction, they're out of control. And you can try to convince yourself that you're not out of control. You can try to convince yourself that you're under control. And you can try to convince yourself and others, I can stop whenever I want to but you're out of control. And your addiction is your small g God. And your addiction has become idolatry. And your addiction will keep you from knowing God. And your addiction will keep you from inheriting the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9, it says, Do you not realize that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in, indulge, continually practice, those who indulge in sexual sin, porn, whatever you want to call it there, those who worship idols, again, alcohol, drugs, whatever, food, whatever can become an idol. Those who commit adultery, the practice of it, Male prostitutes, those who practice homosexuality, people that are thieves, greedy people, drunkards, those who are abusive, those who cheat other people, defraud and rip people off. None of these, none will inherit the kingdom of God. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You're not honoring God. You're using something other than God to get your needs met. You're going to sex, alcohol, drugs to try to find love, acceptance, worth, or some type of significance, and you don't know God. That's not the manifestation of a person who knows God. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. He goes on to say in this text, "But, but such were some of you. Some of us in this room used to live that way. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You came to Christ, and the blood of Jesus has cleansed you. Praise God, Josh. Praise God, Stacy. That was some of us. I used to live that way, but I've been washed. And he goes on to say, you have been made holy. You have been set apart and sanctified by God. God looks and says, you're holy now, and you believe that you're holy. You've been justified. You've been made right with God, he goes on to say. You've called out to God and you've come to Christ. Some of you used to live that way, but you came to the gospel. And I would just encourage you today, if you're watching online, if you're battling addiction and you're stuck, please allow the loving Savior, to transform your life today. Get washed. Get right. Get holy with God. Now, let me share with you the progression. 
as you start to look at uh, this whole progression of uh, chemical dependence and falling into chemical strongholds. Addiction usually begins with some type of hurt, with some type of pain, with some type of trauma or violation. And then what ends up happening is people then start to run toward an escape. Something's happened. There's pain. There's hurt. There's violation. And we try to escape. And then once we start moving into living a life of escape with a small g God, we start to move into deception. And then by the time we reach this place of deception, it leads us to a place of bondage and slavery. That's the progression. Let me break it down. So again, addiction begins with hurt, trauma, pain, violation, a wound. And it may be loneliness. It may be guilt. It may be shame. But at the heart of addiction, there is this deep, lingering wound deep down inside of my soul that I've never dealt with. I've, I've never allowed God to bring healing. I've never experienced healing in this area. It's never been resolved. So I've got this deep, deep wound, but I'm, 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 I'm covering it with these different things. And it can be pain from your childhood. It could be a traumatic experience that you've had in life. But there's always this underlying issue uh, in the life of an addict. Everyone that I've talked to, there's trauma, pain, violation, wound, something, and it's never been dealt with. And for so many, dealing with the pain, dealing with a wound, is so stinking scary for so many people. And that's why they continue in their addiction. I'm scared to talk about it. I'm scared to lay it out. I'm scared to really go there. And that's the whole point in addiction, right? I don't want to deal with the pain and, and, and the hurt in my soul. So we don't want to address it. So the enemy comes and offers us a faulty solution to deal with a deep spiritual problem, and people start getting involved in bondage to alcohol, drugs, and food, and lying, and stealing, and, and that's how it happens. Proverbs 18, 14 says, a man's spirit sustains him, but who can bear a crushed spirit? A man's spirit when it's healthy, a man's spirit when it is aligned to God, it, it, it can sustain him. But when you've got a crushed spirit and you're living in despair, it's like God knows that you can't handle a crushed spirit. God knows that your solutions will not work. God knows that no matter what we try to come up with as a fix, it's not going to work. And when we go looking for an escape in the wrong places, we substitute a life-killing addiction for the healing power of the gospel. And that's what we end up doing. We, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. And see, so You've got this hurt, and you've got this trauma, and this violation, and this wound, and this pain, and it leads to escape. You've heard this, and so have I. But it's like, why do you drink? Because I feel guilty. Why do you feel guilty? Because I drink. And it's an endless cycle of madness. Chris Stapleton, in his song, Whiskey and You, he said, I've got a problem, but it ain't like what you think. I drink because I'm lonesome, and I'm lonesome 
calls a drink. And it's like, which come first, the chicken or the egg? But usually, it's the wound. And I'm going to run to this, and when I run to that, I feel more guilt and shame, so I sedate, medicate, I bury myself in it. And it's like, it's the best thing until it becomes the worst thing, and then it becomes the main thing that you feel that you've got to have. Addiction really, when you start to deal with people in full-blown addiction, and if that's you today, if you're dealing with addiction, here's what happens. Our desires get jacked up. We start to make excuses. We're dodging responsibility. Our desires get so jacked up, and we think we've got to numb. That's the word. You hear that word oftentimes with people that are stuck in addiction. Hey, man, I'm just trying to numb, dude. You don't know all my troubles, all my pain. But James chapter 1, verse 14 says, Temptation comes from our own evil desires, which entice us and drag us away. And if I had to give a working definition here of what I'm talking about with evil desires, it's this. This is an evil desire. I will find a solution. I will to cope and escape with what my pain is. I will be in control. I will fix my problems my way. So we, we get tanked. So it always begins with some type of trauma, which leads to escape, and then it leads to deception. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, it leads to deception. How crazy are the lies that we try to tell other people when we're in our addiction? And how crazy are even the lies that we tell ourselves? People in full-blown addiction become experts at hiding and manipulating. Full-blown. And here's the problem. The problem with a person in full-blown addiction is this. They're afraid that if they're exposed and their thing is really discovered, it's going to be taken away from them and they can't live without it. That, that's the problem. I'm, I'm in full-blown chains. And, and, and we believe the lie and we become deceived. And as a result, I'm going to manipulate and I'm going to blame. And we lose our identity. I've seen people that were healthy and people that were so enjoyable and fun to be around in high school or, or college, and then years later, I would meet these people, and they would be in full-blown addiction, and they didn't even look like the same person. And I've dealt with these families where they're dealing with a child or a loved one in full-blown addiction, and as I said, they're trying to figure out how to, how to deal with this, and even the parents end up developing some very unhealthy coping skills because they're losing their mind. It's like, what can I do? How can I save this person? I talked to one of my friends yesterday whose brother stuck a gun to his head about 10 years ago. And he goes, man, I tried everything I could to help him. I tried everything I could to rescue him. And I said, I'm so sorry. But he was dealing with some mental illness and different things. And, but the guilt and shame that we feel when other people are stuck 
it's, it's real. Jeremiah 17, 9, oh, I memorized this verse years ago as we were going through that Wild at Heart series. But it says, the heart is more deceitful than all else. The heart is desperately sick. Who can understand it? And when we refuse to allow God to heal our hearts, our hearts become so deceitful and so sick. It's brutal. Two of an addict's main tools are deception and denial. And I've seen this happen. The alcoholic will hide bottles around their house and they've got their little stash and nobody knows where I keep my stuff. I got you. The porn addict is going to run right to his web browser and try to clear and clean the history so nobody can see where I've been. The shopaholic is stashing money and hiding receipts. You're not going to find me out. The gambler lies about where the family's money has gone. Manipulators, hiders, deception. And one of the things I was thinking through is this. Have you ever tried to confront a person in full-blown addiction? You will hear more excuses and you will hear more deflection statements. And they will do whatever they, they can to try to prevent you from getting close to what their real core issue is. You start to deal with a person in full-blown addiction and you sit down in a spirit of love and compassion and you will feel nuts when you walk away from them with all the twists and the turns. They will make you feel like you're the one with the issue instead of them. Some of the common lies that I've heard over the years is, hey man, just, just one drink's not going to hurt. Hey man, just smoking a little J, just a little weed here and there, it's not going to hurt. Bro, you got to understand, man, I'm, I'm wound tight. I need something to relax at night. I got to turn my mind off. I, I'm just trying to take the edge off, dude. That's, that's all I'm trying to do. I've, I've heard these statements. Hey, I've had a hard week. I deserve a little weekend celebration. Hey, man, I can handle it. It's not a big deal. I've heard this one plenty of times. I promise you this is going to be my last time. Tonight's your last time. Okay. And chemical dependency is a lie. And you'll get to a place where you're so engulfed or wrapped up or strapped in, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever, and your body will start telling you this, you cannot live without it. And the truth is, that is killing your body, but your body starts to tell you, you can't live without it. No, you can. And reality is, you're probably going to go through some major withdrawals. Probably going to feel sick. Probably going to start to lose your mind. But you can live without it, and you're going to need other people around you, and you're going to need a support system, and there's going to be some things that you will benefit from. But again, Satan is a liar, and he's going to convince you, hey, man, you can't live without it. 
See, the heart is deceitful and desperately sick, and who can understand it? And deception is a tragic part of every addiction. Deceive, cover, lie, not forthright, will not tell the truth. And we lie to ourselves, and we lie to other people. So addiction begins with hurt and trauma, and then all of a sudden it leads to escape, which leads to deception, and then it leads to bondage slavery. Mark Shaw, in his book, The Heart of Addiction, writes, physical addiction occurs. Physical addiction occurs when you repeatedly satisfy a natural desire with a temporary pleasure until you become the servant of the temporary object of pleasure rather than its master. It's bondage. You use a temporary pleasure, and then all of a sudden, this temporary pleasure masters you, controls you, dominates you. And if you've been in addiction, you know that is true. And even God told Cain in Genesis chapter 4, he goes, I want you to know that sin is crouching at your door. And it desires to have you, and it desires to master you, but you must master it, sin Sin is crouching. Sin wants to grab you. The sin wants to take you down. But, but I'm here. I'm for you. I love you. And addiction desires to have you. Addiction will desire to have you and master you. But we overcome through the blood of the lamb. We overcome through the word of our testimony. God has called us more than conquerors. We can overcome. I like Romans chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. It says, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. God forbid. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose, whatever you choose, whatever you choose, whatever you choose, you, you, you make the choice. Don't you realize that you become a slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, it'll lead to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to life. And addiction at its core is slavery, it's bondage, but at the core, I have to choose to pick it up again, to shoot it in me again, to smoke it up again. I have to make the choice to do it. And I'm telling you right now, so many people are choosing slavery. So how do we deal with the addiction? I promise you God's got an answer and I promise you God's got a solution. But here's what I would say to you. God knows you and God loves you. I am convinced of this of every person that I meet. God loves you. God knows what you're doing. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. I memorized this years ago. Hebrews 4, 12, the word of God is powerful, sharp, quicker than any two-edged sword, etc. Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God knows and God loves you. God is for you. And if we could ever really believe, God knows my secret. God knows what I'm hiding. God knows what I'm covering. God knows. 
And he loves me. He's wanting to free me. He's been chasing after me. He's always been there. He's had his arms open saying, I want to heal your hurts. I want to rescue you from your pain. I've always been here. Hey, some people, when they know you, they won't love you. Some people, when they know you're junk, will write you off and sever the relationship. Not, 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 not me. I love you. So come to God as you are. You ain't got to get cleaned up before you come to him. You come to him and allow him to do his, trans, his transforming work in you. It will absolutely set you free. And there's a person right now that needs to listen to this word today. My daughter had a, a guy send her a text this morning just randomly, have a, talked to her in, in forever and said, I, I am really battling and struggling, but I really think I'm close to desiring to become sober. Can you help me? It's a choice. You've got to choose. Is it going to be hard? Is it going to be painful? Y yes. Is it easy just to walk away from the slavery? No. It's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. For our struggle is not against the powers of this dark world. No, our struggle is against the powers of this dark world, and our struggle is against the spiritual forces of evil. That's our struggle. It's not against people. It's not against places. It's not against things. It's the enemy coming against us. I know this with all my heart. Satan wants to take you out. Satan wants to ruin your life. Satan wants you to be shipwrecked, destroyed, but he is a liar. He is a fraud. He is a counterfeiter, and anything he ever brings to you as a solution will always leave you more empty than when you started. You need a spiritual solution. And people come at times and say, hey, man, I'm struggling. What should I do? You can't use a man-made solution to deal with a spiritual problem. You've got to have a spiritual solution to deal with a spiritual problem. There's hope in Jesus' name, and that is the good news. This is the only thing that can break the chains. And a lot of addicts believe there's no longer hope. They just don't have any hope. All hope is gone. I've tried to kick the habit. I've tried to kick this area of bondage. But I failed. And, and you will fail. But I can tell you there's hope in Jesus' name. The psalmist even wrote in Psalm 25, 3, No one whose hope is in you, God, will ever be put to shame. No one who ever puts their hope and their trust and their belief and dependence in you will ever be put to shame. And our addictions are cause us, they do, they cause us to live with shame. We live with shame, we live with guilt. Why do we hide them? Because we live with shame, we live with guilt. If they did not create shame, create shame and guilt, we would bring them to the light. But we're living with shame and guilt, so we hide. And we're scared to death. Man, somebody's going to find out what I'm doing. Oh, and living with shame is cancer to the soul. When you're living in shame and you're living with shame, it's cancer to the soul. No one, no one, you're not the exception. No one who puts their hope in God will ever be put to shame. God's grace can deliver you as well as it can deliver any person else. No, no one who puts their hope in God. There's hope in Jesus' name. 
So you need God's help. You need God's forgiveness. You need God's salvation. You've tried to escape your, your hurt, your pain. We need God's help. We need God's forgiveness. We have got to have God's hope. We've got to. For so many people that have tried to escape and, and, and to, to overcome in the past, but they find themselves still in chains, you're still a slave to it, and you go, everything that I've ever tried has still failed me. You ever tried stuff? You ever tried to beat your addiction? You ever tried to overcome the failures of yesterday on your own? It doesn't work. When I came to the Lord and cried out to the Lord, I'm like, I've got to have your forgiveness. I've got to have your grace. Here, here was a life-changing verse for me. Romans chapter 7, where Paul, at the very end of that chapter, okay, he talks about the good I want to do, I don't do the bad. I don't want to do, I end up doing. And then he makes this statement, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me and set me free from this body of death? Brian, this probably was as much of a chain breaker in my life as anything. Wretched man, he uses that phrase. It is the portrait of a soldier that was engaged in frontline battle. And while he's engaged in frontline battle, the bullets are flying around. He, he's on the front. He gets penetrated. He's knocked down. Blood is oozing. His life is leaking. He goes, I'm a wretched man. I'm about to die. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Who will rescue me? Who will set me free? I can't do it. And the portrait is, I know one who's willing to step out of the portals of heaven, put on a robe of flesh, come identify with humanity. I know one who's willing to rescue you. And that's the struggle Paul's making in Romans 7. Jesus Christ is willing to come to where I'm at. He's willing to forgive, set free from this body of death. And the body of death in that culture, I'm telling you, this is where for me, just like, Thank you, Jesus. The body of death was, if Dallas and I were in business and we started having issues and we got in a fight, and Dallas pulls out his, his nine mil and shoots me and kills me. And that culture of that day, eyewitnesses, we saw what happened. Dallas would be brought before the courts and the judge would look and say, Dallas Hop, you killed this man, Tim Cash. You killed him. And uh, we have evidence that demands a verdict. You did it. And as a result of what you've done, your sentence is going to be body of death. And they would not take Dallas out and stone him. And they would not take Dallas out and hang him. They would drag my dead corpse into the courtroom. And they would tie me arm to arm, leg to leg, limb to limb, torso, back to back to him, and they would say, here's what you're going to do. You're going to carry that body of death around as a reminder of what you've done until the ruins and the toxins and the spoils of that dead corpse kill you from the outside in. Who will deliver me and set me free from this body of death? I've been carrying all this shame and all this guilt and all this hurt and all this stuff for so long. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And when the Lord showed me, I have severed 
all that. I've nailed it to the cross, Tim, and you don't have to carry it with you anymore. It changed me. It changed me. That's probably the reason Romans 8 is maybe my favorite chapter. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We can call out to the Father, Abba, Abba, Daddy. God who's beginning the good work will be faithful to complete it. What shall separate us from the love of God? Change me. And it, it can change you. And I needed that because I was in such bondage for so long. I wrap you with this. Part of the healing is we then realize there's hope and we run to the gospel and we allow God to set us free. You will benefit greatly from having godly people around you. 1 Corinthians 15 says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't be misled. Daddy used to tell me, son, you hang out with dogs, you're going to get fleas on you. And for a lot of people, there's relationships that you're entangled in right now and that you're involved in right now that are a negative influence that are pulling you down. And one of the hardest things for people when they really do run to Christ is to disassociate and unhitch from certain relationships. Well, they're my friends. I need the friend for a period of time to bring healing. And God call me to step aside. Hey dudes, I gotta step back. Well, what's wrong with you? You don't love us anymore? Matter of fact, I love you more than I've ever loved you because now I'm capable of loving you with the love of Christ. But bro, do you not realize I know my areas of bondage and addiction and what I've turned to, I've got to back off for a period of time, at least until God brings deep healing and then I will establish where I meet with you, but I'm not going back to those same playgrounds because that's where we jacked it up at. I need some healthy people around me, people that will keep me accountable and people that will encourage me in my journey. That's what I need. So here's my close. You will benefit from healthy community. And recovery at the cross and some of the things we have going on here can really help you. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. But we pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.